Hello and welcome to Stats from Podcast with me, James York, and... Ben Puxley. Oh, you've come back, have you? That's nice of you. I have. I survived the conference and the, the, all the great things that happened there, and I thought, yeah, I thought I'd return here. Yeah, no, it's cool. Uh, uh, Ted's travelling. To the Ted fans out there, he's in Germany this week, so... Um... Yeah, Ben's picked up the picked up the baton and he's going to step in and we're going to talk a bit about the Premier League and whatever. Uh, we're not going to talk about films. Uh, for those of you who are interested in update on my attempt to watch Avengers Endgame, is that what it's called? I don't know. Oh God. I got four. I got four minutes into it last week. Got annoyed with it, and then uh, this week I, I got ten minutes into it. But I'd already drifted off and was just kind of looking at stuff on my computer. So it's going to be tough. Uh, it yeah. Be, Few months yet before we get through. I, I can see that this this does feel a little bit strange doing a podcast without Ted here. By the way, this is the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the new element to it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah we did the live one, didn't we, on stage? That was cool. Yeah, that was cool. Actually, the first time all three of us had kind of just rambled like we usually ramble in pairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the videos are <laughs> the videos up. Uh, up uh, all the conference videos that uh, we're allowed to show are up on the uh, YouTube page. So. Yeah, if you're interested, go and have a look at them. There was, there was some good content throughout the day uh, in both rooms and lots of good videos to watch. So uh, you'll get a quick promo in for that as well. But let's, come on, let's, talk about the, let's talk about the Premier League. That's what we're here for. Um, the first thing we're going to look at is basically the top four race, Ben. It appears to be over. It's done, right? Yeah, this is, this is over already. This, you know, this is the, the there is no there is no top four race. There might not even be a relegation race. There might not be a race for anything. I should probably just call the season now and kind of prorate the points over over the course of the season. I think this this top four race kind of being a bit over is going to be more about Leicester here, isn't it? I think this is who we yeah. want to talk about, really. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I joked earlier in the week that um, Liverpool, like winning so many games, are kind of like spoiling a four-way title race. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, obviously Man, Man City's metrics are strong. Liverpool's and Chelsea's metrics are both strong. Like you know, in in any other circumstances, you know, if Liverpool had dropped a few points here and there, as you could realistically expect, that's no criticism of what they have done or their abilities. But you know, they, to win ten out of eleven games is you know a hell of a run. Uh, you, they're the best three teams in the league, um, and then like yeah, Leicester. Leicester have just been they're curious, aren't they? We thought we were gonna. We were gonna I've got loads. I've got loads of ideas. You go first. What are you thinking about Leicester right now? I think you know. I, I think we have this little bit of a notion in our heads about Leicester. Obviously, in the fourteen fifteen season of. 14-15? Yeah, that was right. Fourteen fifteen season of, of massively overreaching. And I think we might have had a little bit of kind of uh, PTSD with Leicester about, are they real? Are they going to continue this streak? Is this another little, you know, kind of overperformance bender that Leicester are on? It's going to all come crashing down to earth. I think there might be a little bit of, of both. I think there's I think there's a good team here, which I think we're going to touch on shortly. And I think there's obviously some overperformance here. The curious thing is, in the title winning season, there was a huge overperformance in the first, roughly half of the season, in terms of the attacking output that Leicester had. And then that yeah. literally flipped on its head in the second half, and it was just about this defensive solidity and overperformance with Michael. The curious thing about Leicester in these first 11 games is they've taken the good thing from the first half of the season in 14-15, the good thing in the second half of the season, and smashed it together. Yeah, everything's kind of... I think it was 15-16, wasn't it? Well, 15-16, sorry, you correct me. Now. Time, yeah, yeah. time moves so fast. But... Yeah, time moves slowly or too fast, yeah. 15-16, <laughs> yeah, apologies. Um, and it literally on both ends of the field smashed it together. Now, there's a lot to kind of unpack here we're going to get into and it's to do with sending offs and red card and uh, one-game benders winning 9-0 and things like that. So, yeah, we're going to dive into this. But I think they are the... The most interesting team. We know Liverpool and Man City are good. You knew Chelsea. You knew Chelsea were going to be good, James. So don't. don't we're going to get onto that. Don't don't be shy here. They didn't. They didn't look good at about uh, nine p.m. today when they four one down to Ajax. But basically, yeah. that's kind of that turned itself around, and uh, Frank got his four all draw in the end. So that was- uh- Absolutely, but but yeah, Le- Leicester are the one really curious one, I think, especially in the top four places here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, the first place to start, obviously, there's all differences, like plus 19 at the moment. Um, but, like, 
you know, 14 goals coming in the two games, and like most of those goals coming against 10 men. Uh, like, so I think if you if you just kind of like you know pare it down uh, and understand that, that like, you know a lot of their what what we're going to look at from a kind of like long term perspective, like the whole season of their overperformance is kind of like glued into those um, those two games. It kind of it doesn't make their you know the, the kind of like you know the the raw numbers look any kind of less like positive on the skew side, but it does kind of give it a little bit of a dose of reality and maybe you can be a little bit higher on them uh, than than otherwise. I mean, their, their expected goals are kind of like about plus, just under plus a third of a goal, I think we've got them at. And, you know, that kind of puts them as as like about fourth now. I think Man United have dropped back a little bit over the last couple of weeks and because Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea are bringing so much to the table on that front, like the rest of the league's looking quite mediocre. But, I, I do like quite a lot of them about them. I think Rogers is, is kind of, um, and it felt like uh, Cold Deal didn't really get the most out of them, and it feels like Rogers really is. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think the yeah, we, you know, to roll it back to the the two games to send it off. I think it was a total of you know it's around about eighty minutes versus ten men, and obviously that's going to matter. That's all. That's going to matter over eleven game span, but you know. You, you, you strip those two games out, and I don't think you, you you are taking away some of that overperformance and all the rest of it. But you're not completely removing. You know, this isn't a bad team that's made to look good because of those eighty yeah. minutes. Do you know what I mean? You are still, you know, if you look at the, the you know, they take about fifty-seven percent of the shots, fifty-seven percent of the shots on target, fifty-seven percent of the unblocked shots. There's a couple of percentage points there that may well have been baked in because of those ten men, you know, versus ten men performances. But I think the fundamentals there are pretty sound. If you look at Leicester's, uh, you look at a Leicester starting eleven, for example, on on any given any given kind of game day. And, you know, I think I saw this on Twitter, I can't remember, it was Michael Kelly and I was saying, there's probably more talent there than the, the Man United team, for example. And, yeah. and, and a couple of other teams, like maybe an Arsenal team as well. And I don't think that's too much of a stretch in imagination to say that. There is a lot of, of talent there in that starting eleven, And this rolls us to the next point about their starting eleven. And you touched on this before we started recording, that it's an incredibly consistent starting eleven. There's a lot of guys played, you know, over the threshold of 90% of minutes. This massively helps. If you're not having loads of injuries, and I I, <clears throat> I still record man games lost to injury. It's a familiar American concept about how many games a team may miss. Let's have the fewest in the season. The fewest in right. the league, sorry, this season. I have Leicester having, losing about 14 man games to injury. The league average would be about 37. Of any, right. you know, just across the league. So they're, they're a team that has stayed healthy, that have had a pretty settled, you know, you know, 14, starting 14 players. And this, this is obviously going to massively help, like that consistency, that consistency of, you know, the midfield pairings, the forward pairings, you know, the center half pairings. These, these massively help, but I do fundamentally think this is a pretty good team. And, you know, especially with the North London chaos that's going on at the moment, there is a huge opportunity here for them. So like, yeah. nail this. You know? Yeah, something you hit on is like, but you know, points, points, points are there. They've got them already. Yeah. You know, and they've got you know a reasonable cushion as well. Down to you know, a huge game of the weekend against Arsenal. They host Arsenal, who really aren't going to be expecting too much from Arsenal right now, away from home. But you know, that could put nine points between them, and you know, they're they're leading the chasing pack. Just to hit on you know the consistency of, of the selection. I mean, Soyuncu's come into their defence with Evans. I mean, Evans has always been like a you know, decent, solid citizen centre back. Him and Soyuncu have been good. Uh, you know, Wilfred Ndidi, he's a player who stood out hugely just for like just for like kind of raw kind of tackling and interception type numbers back when he was in Belgium. You could have you could have taken a punt on him just just by like saying like right, he's this guy really stands out here, and it's you know, he's, he's still relatively young, but he's kind of. Uh, his, his kind of like defensive rate rates that we look at are kind of looking pretty solid too. Uh, you know, the, he, any defensive metric you want to measure, like indeed he stand, stands out in. Um, and then you know, Madison is the creator. Tielemans is a kind of like bit of a two-way midfielder. Uh, Vardy just starts and is on an absolute scoring bender. I mean, that's an interesting question to me as well. Like, but Vardy's got, I think, you know, nine non-penalty goals from some like twenty-one shots. Which is you know forty forty percent conversion. The expected goals is about three point eight. He's way over. But what do you expect from him in the next twenty shots or the next kind of like ten games? If he gets four or five goals, three goals, four goals, five goals, 
he's he's kind of like that's what you maybe would expect for him to do. He's pretty reliable for getting 18, 20 goals a season. Just because he's had a bender to start the season, and you know, okay, some of that was in you know garbage time and all that, but you know, I wouldn't. He's going to play. He's played every minute so far. He's still. He's as long as he's fit. His injury record is pretty solid as well. He's going to play. They will create some chances for him. His shot volume isn't high. It, it hasn't been for some seasons. I mean, he's under two a game, I think. But he gets chance. He tends to get chances that are you know reasonably kind of high value, quite central with it because. That's his one job. So, you know, you look around the team, like I said, the keeper's doing well, the fullbacks are, you know, excellent. They're really solid fullbacks. As long as they can keep putting this team out, this first team out, Harvey Barnes, another player who's come forward, you know, since he's been in the team. You know, Perez, Perez is kind of like, him and Barnes are potentially like rotating in and out of the side. Um, as long as they can still get, keep getting this 11 out, then you can still see good things happening to them going forward. And it's going to take. I don't know. I, I I don't think they they need to particularly do much different to kind of like uh, grab you know grab this position that they've got so far and and really secure it. Yeah. Uh, their, their schedule isn't horrible either. There isn't anything horrible. So I think Christmas Christmas they played Liverpool Man City uh, like back to back, and you know obviously that that would be an interesting little point. But until then, it's just the match against Arsenal that you you kind of like fear for them. Yeah, exactly. You're looking. Yeah, there's nothing really on the schedule that they should be too concerned with. This this game against Arsenal is obviously <clears throat> particularly huge. If you start having a nine point gap in a twenty, well, it probably would be a twenty uh, cushioning goal difference um, <laughs> yeah. over, over the fifth the fifth place chasing team. You are starting to look at the, uh, look at the the kind of outlook here and say, right, you have a ten point cushion. You know, you have the points on the board. You don't have to blow the doors off. You, you know, you can you can be a, the worst team in Arsenal from here on out and still be absolutely, absolutely fine. I think one of the curious things here with with Leicester, I think I looked at this just before it came on. Leicester, you get them about even money, so a fifty percent chance of being a top fourteen. Yeah, that feels uh, not unreasonable. Yeah, so you have a, but you know, when you talk about this cushioning, you talk about like the probability of them going forward, especially a lot of this will hinge on that game at the weekend. But even money to be top four from here and out, you know, 50% chance doesn't seem like particularly huge odds. I think that's, I think it's a favorable, probably a favorable bet, especially come through the weekend. But the one thing I want to have a little bit of caution here with, we always kind of have this that, we are occasionally fooled by smaller samples and health being yeah. with you. And we talk about consistency of selection and, you know, you don't have any of these issues and you can just drive forward. Leicester are running incredibly hot in terms of percentages, in terms of converting at both ends of the field. Obviously, some of this is yeah. what we just talked about, but we know what happens with these percentages. When you, whether, it's, whether you're running high on a percentage, or if you're just talking about basic shots or shots on target, or if you're looking at the expected goals and the rate that you're converting them above expectancy, we know what tends to happen over the course of the season, that these things do regress towards a mean, and they do tend to kind of come back towards centre. Are we being fooled here is the question. That's the thing. I mean, yeah. Are you we can... being fooled, basically? It's it's quite easy to kind of um, you know argue away the the attack and say like okay it's those two games but you know the defense defense is following it as well and you know when you when your keeper's having the hot season obviously you need this you need need this to bounce into these you know yeah. these prominent positions but like, yeah I, I I totally accept the point that like at the moment everything has lined up nicely throughout this first first half of the season and that's I mean first quarter of the season and that's that's quite scarce for it to be quite so favourable in that regard um you know maybe that's maybe that but even money is kind of like a a fair reflection of it you know if you if you flip the coin it lands the other way then and the percentages start kind of like moving and you know i don't know you could take a key player out of this team couldn't you and and you'd think like right Who's coming in next? You know, is is Wes Morgan coming in if if like one of the centre backs comes out? Yeah, you know, yeah, who well, who are their backup full backs? If Vardy goes down, is he can he and I'm sure like carry any any weight? Mm, is he still maybe. there? Yeah, yeah, he is. Well, yeah, it's a, a tremendous fall from grace for nature. <coughs> yeah, I mean, that, really, he's 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 one. I, I guess I guess we could take for the team. I think that as a community, the analytics uh, community were quite quite hyped for him. Uh, quite hyped oh, for yeah. yeah after his after his city time and he looked good there 
I think I had a galaxy brain take that was like, you know, if, if he's if he's not good, then maybe Aguero's not good. No, but that was too <laughs> much. But, <laughs> like, I think that's not just an analytics fail. That was an eye test fail as well. Yeah, I remember him coming through and seeing him in preseason friendlies, and you were like, "There's no way he doesn't make it." There was mm. no, there was just no way. You were like, "He's definitely." nailed on to make this the way he looked the way he moved at 17, 18 you were like for sure he's going to make this and then here we are it's, just, it's a strange old world sometimes with footballers' careers but yeah just, just to roll this back to Leicester even if we say that these you know for example in open play the opposition is shooting at you know Leicester's opponents are shooting at 4.8% league average will be 10.6% even if all these things swing back round and, you know, these percentages level out, which they're sometimes prone to do over the next 20, 20 games or whatever else. I still think Leicester, their true talent level is probably about a 57% shots team, 57%, you know, goals team, if you do that share. That was probably going to be enough. It's going to be enough. You look around this league and it's like, there aren't a bunch of superior teams here. You know, no. with, with, with Man United, Arsenal and Tottenham all in kind of like variously shaped crises, and we'll probably hit on some of that in a bit. Absolutely. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a huge opening for, for, for anyone who's got their shit together. And I think we, I think we generally thought that, you know, from a, from a kind of metrics perspective, looking at last season, that, 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 you know, those, those teams metrics did not look good. And, I don't think anyone expected them all to kind of like all to ritually fall in the bin at the same time, uh, which they kind of have so far. But there was an opportunity for, for uh, a usurper to grab a top six slot. Now, now it looks like there's an opportunity for a usurper to grab a top four slot, yeah. and that's that's huge because if you, if you can, you know, if you can actually, you know, a team like Leicester got got a few quid, got a bit of success in you know in its backdrop, in its recent background. Like if they can get a top four slot. Rogers, you know, potentially invest uh, further in someone. They can actually build from that. It's there's there's been right for one of these other teams to actually kind of like get there, and no, you know, no one else has really kind of like uh, got organised in the same in the same way. Again, maybe we're getting a little bit too excited. Of course, but yeah, that, no, no, we, we, that opportunity is there. Yeah, there was the distinct possibility that we, you know, they're running hot at both ends, and this cools down. But I still think that the possible. You know, the, this 57 percentage team will be enough. Like, there isn't a great challenger here. There isn't, uh-huh. you know, Tottenham that have just had decimated by injuries and, you know, everything went wrong and they're just, you know, primed to kind of fire back and overtake them. Or, neither with Arsenal, you know, Sheffield United in sixth, they don't really see a challenge from, you know, coming from there or Palace or Brian or whoever else it may well be who's on 14, 15, 16 points. I think with Leicester, that even if everything cools off, I think it might be enough and we might be getting to the point where, you know, you have that phrase that you fake it until you make it. And if Leicester do make it into the top four, I'm definitely on board with you here that there is a window of opportunity. Now, there's a lot that could go wrong with that. You could, you could blow the money. You're, you're all, you can have a terrible summer. You invest the money poorly, but there is an opportunity there, especially if Tottenham and Arsenal continue to be, to be this poor and United to be this poor as well. There is definitely an opportunity there, at least like a little 18 months, two year window where if you do nail a transfer window, once you qualify for the Champions League, you literally could start to make a little bit of separation between you and others. Obviously, they're never going to have as much money as as uh, Man United or Tottenham may well have. But you could make a little two or three year window for yourself if everything falls into place and if you nail a transfer window. It's not much to ask, is it? Not much to ask. But... No, obviously not. No, this, that's, that's the point though, right? You are, you are having to look at a narrow window of probability with loads of different outcomes and loads of things that can go wrong for a team like Leicester to A, make the top four, and then B, potentially repeat and make it again the next year. There's a lot that can go wrong for, for a team with a smaller budget. Yeah. Uh, where should we move to now? Uh, Liverpool. You had a couple of ideas about Liverpool. Liverpool have a horrible schedule coming up. I think oh, you know, news, has, news has come through today about like them playing back-to-back games uh, in you know day to day of uh, the League Cup quarter final, and then the, the was it World? I don't even know what it's called World Club Championship or something. I presume World Club Super Cup League Championship. Now I. <laughs> I if I, these are the trappings of success. I think if you get to one of these world club things, you you got to have a go, haven't you? You got to try and win it. I know, I know, I know. It's not like you know, it, it's it's going to cost you like 
<laughs> you might not want to send all your players off after on long round trips in the middle of the season, middle of December, just for Christmas schedule. Yeah, I get that. And maybe if they'd have won the league last season, it, it, you'd you'd be just like, yeah, don't worry about it. But yeah. All right, I've, I've already talked myself out of this being a good idea. But I think most uh, of the Liverpool fan base don't really want their players to be sent halfway around the world. It'll be an interesting one to see which game they throw, actually. Well, not throw, throw is the wrong word. <laughs> That's the wrong word, Ben. <laughs> to, to, to Pick a second team. A, a, rot- a heavily rotated starting 11. Uh, whether it will be the, the League Cup one or whether it will be the, the game in Qatar. Like it, it's an interesting one to see what they'll do, but something's obviously got to give because you can't, you can't humanly possible, you know, possibly expect to, to have any of the guys who play on one day play on the next day. That's a complete no-no. Like, no, 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 no. I, yeah, so, I wouldn't. I tell you what, I wouldn't be surprised if if it ends up half and half, and they play and they play like kind of like half strength teams in both in both games. Yeah, yeah, mixing just that just to kind of like I don't know because you you've got to send some of your big name players to the to the big game. You have to. Yeah, you have you but, have to. But, you can't... Prob- but really, you want to send none. So there's got to be a middle ground, isn't there? No. So, and you can't... Yeah, and you can't really throw the, the you can't, Jesus, I've said it again, damn it. Um, you can't really play a heavily rotated team in the League Cup, you know, because I think the, the only time I can remember in recent memory that a team has done something like this would have been Man City against Chelsea away, and they literally right. played 18 year olds. Like, there's people who played in that game. Uh, there's a the centre forward called David Fabola, and he was 18 at the time. I'm not even sure he's playing organised football anymore. Three years later, like <laughs> genuinely, genuinely serious, exactly. This is a genuine. Point. I think he scored. He scored. I'm not even sure he's playing right. professional football anymore. Uh, it was that's how weak the team was. And the, the I think they had an FA Cup. It was like an FA Cup, and then it was FA Cup at Chelsea, and then a league game 48 hours later against someone decent. So they literally did not play anyone. He played one senior player and it was like Fernando in centre midfield or something like that. Uh, and that's the only other time I can remember a team that really, really did say, right, you've left us no choice. This is what we're going to do. And Liverpool are going to have to do that. And I know we're kind of joking about this, the, you know, the kind of Club World Cup and the League Cup game. But if you look at Liverpool's actual schedule over the next two months, yeah. this, is, this is the point I wanted to actually genuinely touch on. Something will probably have to give over the next two months in terms of the amount of games Liverpool have got and the intensity of games for Champions League and Cup games and you know various league games. Liverpool aren't a team that massively rotate. They haven't suffered a great deal of injuries this year. They have, you know, probably fifteen or sixteen, you know, quality players and the, the kind of the depth after that will, will tail off. Probably more so than Man City's would, for example. I mean, what is going to give with Liverpool over the next two months here? Are we going to see greater rotation on, you know, Shaqiri playing more and, you know, Brewster playing? Are we actually going to see stuff like this? Or is Klopp going to try and just go power in every game until I it breaks? That's an interesting yeah. point because I think he learned from that. That one year, it might have been his first year, obviously, I can't remember what it was second year, where, where they had that awful January where they just, then they hadn't rotated much at all. Tried to kind of like play through it and they had that awful January and it felt like the year after they kind of learnt their lesson and they learnt about how to how to rotate and since then they've been pretty strong and even like coming on strong at the end of seasons obviously you know like you know against successive champions finals and you know having a win streak at the end of the season so it felt like they they really kind of like learnt somewhere along the way like how to rotate their team obviously like you know you need fortune with injuries as well along the way um, and I think Liverpool. Yeah, how much is fortune? How much? How much of good luck is pl- is is luck, and how much is planning? I mean, you, you just you can you never know, like you know what how how uh, successful you know a, a, a medical team is at patching players up and getting them on the pitch, and you know these kind of things. But like they've 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 got this far with a little bit of kind of like injury luck, I think. So yeah, you're right. It's a fascinating period coming up because this will test. This will no doubt test them as much as. As any period has, I think, it, you know, since we've since we've seen like the become one of the kind of yeah and then, dominant teams, of course, and I think so. And you know, I think you can get away with some rotation midfield. They can mix and match, and there will never be a perfect midfield for Liverpool. And Liverpool fans will be the first ones to tell you that. I think the 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 areas that they are kind of susceptible in is if you take out one of the front three, 
does it does yeah. it weaken it? And it, it does. Like yeah, I kind of feel you know, Man City and Liverpool are going to go neck and neck, and we're always going to compare them. So I'm going to compare them. That so I feel like you could probably drop one of Man City's front three out, and you, you know you could probably put Mars in instead of Bernardo, or uh, you know Gabriel Jesus will play a home game instead of Aguero, and you don't get that huge a drop off if Liverpool. Uh, either rest one of their front three or have suffer an injury to one of their front three or and this this may well be more important suffer an injury or have to start resting one of their fullbacks then then you start to see like a little bit of a different outlook where you're losing some of that real snap and some of that real power that kind of Liverpool bring the you know that kind of front three group and those two fullbacks that's where that's where Liverpool kill you basically isn't it it's not so much they didn't the yeah they didn't they didn't sign anyone to replace Moreno in the summer did they and I guess yeah. like Milner is normally their kind of like fullback backup or probably on both sides as well as you know yeah. a midfield backup as well uh, Gomez can obviously move out to the right at, at times but. Yeah, it it doesn't feel like they're 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 well served to get through this period with you know immense squad depth. Players like Oxley Chamberlain and Cater and like I mean I think Shakiri been injured. I haven't seen much. Yeah, no, he's been injured. Yeah, but like the, yeah, these 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 players need to need to stay in the in the rotation really and and get minutes and you know even Lallana. I think Lallana played it kind of like defensive midfield like last week. Like, okay, that's that's an interesting <laughs> option, but like, he seems to do okay at it. But yeah, you need, you know players like Lallana and Oxley Chamberlain who have had injury problems and maybe you know suffered not got in the rotation need to stay fit. You know as 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 much as any of the kind of like better players. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting situation, and um, <laughs> where what what happens next? I mean, it happens every year. You, I remember years ago you banging on about like December just being like an absolute war yeah. situation for all the teams. Christmas, seven or eight games, Premier League games, you know, stupid <laughs> daft cup matches shoved in there and, yeah. you know, Champions League kind of like tail end matches. All these things happen at the same time and it's tough just to get through. It, it is. And I think that's, that's one of the, one of the first things I, <clears throat> I looked at with, with football. It was, it was to do with injury rates and what kind of months and breakdowns of the season. You see a huge spike in December and January just because of the number of games. Just because of the frequency of games, the number of games, and I mean, looking at Liverpool's actual actual fixture list, you know, into December they've got a game against Everton, they've got Leicester away, you know, you move into you move into January, you've got Tottenham, you've got Man United, you've got Wolves away. Like there are some games in there in this period, and this is what I always used to look at. You know, everyone when the fixture list comes out at the start of the season, everyone's like, "So you play the same team twice and don't need to, you know, you don't need to worry about it too much. I always used to look, especially with my team, always used to look at what December and January looked like because I knew that that was the, t- that was the time of the year in those two months where you play, what is it this year? Is it five, six games in, six games in December? Six league games in December, four in January. That's the way it rolls out this year. I always used to look at, at those two months specifically about who Man City had. Were there any really tough away games? Was there a sequence of two or three games on the run that were really going to test them? Because I knew that it was highly probable that, that my team, along with every other team, are going to suffer more injuries at that time of year. So this this was always something to factor in. And I do think Liverpool, Liverpool are tremendous side posts, incredible numbers, all this kind of stuff. But I do think there is a little bit of <clears throat> a little bit of fragility or a little bit of risk in terms of what they do in terms of rotation and at this time of year, especially with the club, uh, the club World Cup Championship with the with the League Cup uh, extra games as well. Like it's it's going to be testing. Like this is this is the one thing as a, as a kind of Man City fan and Liverpool playing Man City at the weekend. Even if Man City somehow get beat there, it was going to be very unlikely that Man City will kind of win the league. But I would still hold out a little bit of hope because I do think this period coming for Liverpool will be a little bit attritional for them. Yeah, and there's going to be points dropped. They just will be like this. They're not going to skate through this December and January with a ten and one record. There's no, there's, there's no way. <laughs> that's that's a, yeah, actually, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. I don't think I've ever looked at that, but like you know, you think of you think of a team with a fast start. There's lots of teams that will. Over the years, that you know, won kind of like eight and nine of their first kind of ten games. I'd like it's it's probably worth researching actually. Like you know, games ten to twenty, games twenty to thirty, or games yeah, fifteen yeah. to twenty five. How, how many teams? How many teams go through that run? And, you know, their records like 
you know, six six one three or you know, seven one two or something like that. Yeah, it's, especially and especially in this in this period for all the reasons we just touched on as well. It's it's hard, man. You play a game every couple of days. It's hard work, especially if you're not mm-hmm. rotating that much. This is this is going to be interesting for me. Well, I just like to make a complaint because it's something I noticed when we did a little bit of prep for this it was the the week eight matches, which were. Um, for example, I can't remember, it doesn't matter. But the week eight matches and the week nineteen matches are the reverse fixtures. Now that's so annoying. I hate it when they do that. Just from an analyst perspective. Like let everyone play the first nineteen games against the <laughs> other teams and then let the reverse fixtures occur. And that's it's the it's the Boxing Day and twenty eighth of December fixtures that flip for random unknown reason. Is so, it is this going to end up upsetting you as much as the the time when there was you know the 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 two fixtures within the first nineteen games? You played one team home and away within the first nineteen. That was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? That's it. No, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's in the, I remember it upsetting you the first time. The, it did daily. It's <laughs> just wrong. It's just wrong. How are you supposed to compare one half of the season with the other half of the season if they? Messed around with it. Like I, I don't. I, I, a quick question here: Did you produce the 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 days rest over the Christmas period last year? Yeah, did I did. Yeah. Is that the one that got stolen widely last year? Reproduced in a national uh, newspaper. Year before it got stolen. I've done it. I think I've done it three times now. It got stolen the year before, and but that was just funny because you know, it just create some create some entertainment. Uh, it's I, I love that because every year. Like it's a different team that's top or bottom of like you know who's got most rest or who's whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. it is, and every year. Like fans of whichever team's top and whichever team's bottom, well, normally whichever team's got the raw deal, like complain about it and retweet it, saying, "Oh, look, typical us. We've been stitched up again every year." They do. and it's like <laughs> you feel like 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 his last year's chart. It's like no, it wasn't. It was something yeah. else last year. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that same team will end up getting eight points from four games over that period. You're like, oh, yeah, look yeah. at that! Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. I t- I, I'm related to that. I, I mean. Everyone's got opinions about referees. I did. I tried to do some research about referees a little, a short while ago, and it was like I can't find anything in here about referees. I think they're all right. I think they're just trying their hardest. I don't think they're biased against your team. <laughs> you know, it's like it's the most obvious like kind of like fan argument, like oh referees, it's that guy. He hates us. And it's like I don't reckon that's the case. You know, I've, I've tried to have a look, and I'm not seeing. I'm pretty sure I'm not seeing like statistically significant numbers here. Um, no, no, no. Of course, and just, just I know we're kind of we are riffing here. I'm not going to talk about VAR because that's we spend about not, an hour on this. Not for this podcast. No. I, I, I am. I have great sympathy at the moment for referees because I think they're being. I don't think there's any real help coming here. I think they're made to look bad. I think this is a this is a messy system that's kind of uh, that they're trying to work through on a on a weekly basis in the public eye it just, it just seems like a mess and I you know to hear a lot of this recently these are the worst group of referees I've seen in 40 years watching yeah, yeah. or whatever else you know um, I just think we could probably do with uh, some of this money it may well have gone to VAR or some money from the Premier League being kicked back into into just better training and better scouting for referees you know is this not the only team sport in the world that doesn't have ex-pros as referees Think of rugby, rugby union, rugby league. You have to play at high level. American footballs, ex-players. You know, uh, hockey refs can be can be ex-players. I don't know. Someone will probably have looked at this in greater detail, but as far as I'm aware, this will be the only one where you literally you cannot be an ex-player. That's the only mm. way you end up being a referee. You cannot have played at yeah, decent level or semi-pro. I mean, I always had a, I always had a thought about this that. I think there should be some early targeting of potentially League Two or semi-pro players in their early twenties who are falling out of the game, or you know, like like those players do. And I think there should be a greater targeting of those players to end up becoming refs, better paid, better training. I, I, I can't see how this would be a, a failure. Would it be a bad idea if it turns out that someone used to play for Liverpool's academy twenty years ago as a fourteen-year-old? I don't know. Maybe this stuff would drive the average fan bananas. But I do think there's probably a little, a little talent pool somewhere of people, of players that played at a lower, a lower level who possibly in their early twenties were going to fall out of football and end up being office workers or you know 
builders or whatever else that could probably end up going on to become pretty well paid referees. And I think surely in that regard, you could just easily just like filter it, say like, look, you're in Liverpool Academy. Sorry, mate, you're not going to ever, you know, you're not going to ref a Liverpool. Yeah, mate. but you know, you always, you always, have, you always have, the, of course, but you always have that question that, that for me personally, you know, I always hate that, like, oh, this guy was born in Liverpool, this guy was born in Manchester, and you know, hmm. you have to see a referee cheering for Exeter, just you know, just to kind of put the show on. I can't remember the name of the referee now. You know, made that big show cheering for Exeter. Um, I just kind of think that if if we don't trust if we if we're going to trust referees to be like professional and and kind of referee this game straight down the line and be professional, you've either got that trust or you haven't. Yeah. Like you can't. You know, I don't want to know if they if they were in Liverpool's academy twenty years ago as a twelve year old or you know their brother is a season ticket holder at Tottenham. Like you you either going to trust them knowing that information or you're not going to trust them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like, you've got to respect the kind of professionality, of course, professionalism yeah, yeah. of of someone in their job of work. Of it's, it's quite basic, really, isn't it? I mean, yeah, and, yeah. and and the the fact that, like, you know, if 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 like you know the, the potential of like making bad you know, like bad decisions against against a certain team, and it that actually puts your job at risk. So yeah. why would you do that? You're not going to intrinsically you would not do that. You just call everything as you see it. Because yeah. if you do it any other way, then you're you're basically risking your entire livelihood. And why is that? Makes yeah, sense. of course. So, so basically, my whole thing is, yeah, yeah. we won't touch on we won't touch on VAR. I'm not a huge fan, but I think there should be more money put in. Try and find some of that pool of players lower down, get them earlier, years more training, better pay, and I think you'll end up getting a better quality of referee. I would have, this I would is, have suggested. This is far too rational for a referee chat, but but yes, I agree. Uh, let's look at teams. Yeah, teams. We could, unlucky for some, thirteen teams on thirteen points was what we came out with, wasn't it? Because there's this funny, li- there's this funny little group who all of them, I think, they've been in tenth, eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth place. All of them, you could say, like, well, this isn't good enough. They, they'd expect more. You know, three wins uh, for United, Tottenham, and West Ham, and two for what Wolves. And yeah. yeah, all of these teams are having a funny old time. We start with you know Man United in general. Um, I think I'm hinting on this before. Like people look at their early expected goals numbers are quite nice about them. It's like, oh, they're okay, they're okay, and they've slowly kind of like eased back to the pack a little bit. And it's this kind of low event stuff. Like they, their defense looks quite solid, but their attack just looks, you know, completely, you know, counterproductive. It's not doing anything at all. And I mean, yeah, three three wins out of out of eleven games is is pretty dire. Um, yeah, these they're, they're they're not good. I could I could probably put the boot in here and glow and you know do all these other things to manage, but, but, but I won't. I, I will, professional, absolutely. <laughs> they are a low event team. You know, you're taking fourteen shots, conceding ten. These both around. You know, just a, a shot within league average. You know, um, they're at their, their standard expected goals numbers do look quite good, but there's a bunch of penalties in there as well. There's, there's loads of penalties probably baked into those. If you split the numbers out to open play, I think you find that they're what they're just a shade above break even. I think yeah. I think we, we looked at before. So you know, you're talking about a Man United team here that are probably you know just over 50% team in terms of shots and expected goals and whatever other measures you want to you want to look at you know they're a plus two goal difference team after 11 games like these are just like really bad numbers now you can you can make an argument and you can probably argue about is this a talent level issue or is this a managerial issue is it a little bit of both which it probably is but I don't there, there is no quick fix here is there you know I don't, no. I don't, I don't see any, any way out here, any, any kind of, you know, blueprint how to, to get out they, of this mess. They're, like. they're, they're literally they're unbeaten against teams in the top five. So that's like draw against Liverpool, draw against Arsenal. They beat Chelsea, they beat Leicester, and then it kind of goes. They're all at home though, all at home, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then, yeah. and then it goes, it goes weird. Like all the, you know, the bad results that they had, particularly have been against kind of lesser teams and. Often away from home, they've only won one match away from home. That's against Norwich, which they they look quite handy in. Um, yeah, they've they've only got Man City and, and Tottenham of like you know what you would say would be you know teams that on paper once upon a time they they could fear uh, this this side of the break. But yeah, just three you know three three wins 
it's just not enough. No, of course it's not. But you know, does <laughs> does those wins against top four teams at home does this kind of hint into something stylistically? You know, if they mm. if they're comfortable a little bit being the underdog and hitting teams on the break or keeping it tight and having that yeah. kind of ability to do that, where where you know you you're playing Bournemouth away the other day and you're expected to to kind of control play. You're supposed to like you know control the territory, tilt the field in your direction, and you just don't look set up or able or have the personnel to be able to do that. You know, maybe maybe the the way out of this hell in the short term is to be like a counter punish team and use that pace. But it just seems like such yeah, I mean, a I'm, such a, a kind of poor way to go about it after the money spent and all the rest of it. I've yeah, looking at the short map from Bournemouth, Man United, and it was it three, six, ten shots. They had fifteen shots. Ten of them were like kind of pot shots from twenty five yards, and it's just. You know, there's just they're not getting into the box and creating these kind of like high value chances that good teams do, and that's and that's the general the general issue with with Man United overall. Yeah, I think I think not this looking is, like that team. No, and I think this is the point, right? When 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 they have control of the ball and it's like, right, okay, go and force a play, go and push the other team back into their third and create against the defence, which is kind of relatively set and well-positioned. And I don't think they're able to do it. Whereas, if you look at some of those, you know, the, the Chelsea game or whoever else, where they are creating the odd counter-attacking opportunity, you tend to be you tend to be attacking in, you know, 2v2 or 3v4, whichever formation you're doing. And there's a little bit more space and opportunity to get inside the 18-yard box. I don't think they have any kind of real set pattern of play or idea about how to break a team down once a team is set in the final third. And that would probably lead to a shot map like you're talking against Bournemouth. Yeah, just, and I mean, don't have that ability, looking, looking at it in general, I mean, their, their shot map, there's, there's just not much kind of in deep. There's a lot of headers from like kind of just in front of the penalty spot. These aren't great shots, you know. It's, it's, you take them out and there's, there's a kind of, yeah, take the headers out from the kind of central locations and there's, you know, literally only a smattering kind of ahead of the penalty spot. It's, you know, a few slightly wider. It's, it's just, it's just not what a good, shooting team looks like and you know like I say the defence is, is pretty good and then you take you know it kind of looks similar on the defensive end but I guess I mean I guess that's the idea that what they're trying to build from is is creating a solid core and then maybe add some ingredients in January maybe add yeah, some of course, but, it's, but it's not it, enough for now and the, no. the midfield looks looks you know, mediocre too. I mean, I quite like Fred, but it doesn't feel like he's the answer. McTominay, um, no. again, McTominay is like basically the 18th guy in a Ferguson squad, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He's not a, he's not yeah, a yeah. starter. So you've got that kind of, you know, that kind of view. I don't know if Pogba is someone who can transition the ball and, you know, basically kind of link midfield into the attack. But, yeah. I think longer term, Longer term, this will be a very quick point here. I think if you're ever going to try and look at a club of a similar size or maybe a similar budget who were in this position, I think you could do probably do worse than look at what Liverpool did and literally go and do a feasibility study. What everything they did, steps they took, is this applicable to our club? Is there things we can take from this that we can apply? But that just seems way too sensible without a proper structure in place in Man United. Yeah, at least I've got, I've got, I can divert here. I've got, an, I've got a thought. Um, Neil Atkinson, who runs, uh, runs the Anfield Rap. Uh, I, I send him little reports about Liverpool every week, and he, they do a little stat show there. Um, I, I sent him something about Liverpool, and he, he mentioned he—I um, can't even remember what the point was—but uh, he mentioned that he felt he felt that in some degrees this Liverpool team now is a little bit like the kind of like oh seven oh nine uh, Ferguson Man United team, and I was like, I was like, oh right, I hadn't really, hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. And that's 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 the Rooney Tevez um, Ronaldo uh, Man United team that's where right, they had yeah. like these three brilliant flight forwards, and I was like, well, who was in that? Who was in that midfield? And, and you had kind of like Giggs and Nanny at times. I think Nanny came in later on, but, you know, were yeah, part yeah. of that. But but it was generally kind of like uh, people. Owen Hargreaves was there, like um, Skulls was still there. You know, Fletcher was there. So you had this kind of a little bit like Liverpool now, uh, more of a kind of workaday midfield with these just you know genius forwards in front of them and that's I, I can see the likeness I can see what he was hinting at there and why why you know that he, he kind of like picked out that idea I was you know quite quite intrigued by it and it just uh, goes to show if you've got three absolute world-class forwards then you've got something to build on eh 
Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Now, you know, what's Man United's forward line? I guess it's kind of like James Rashford and Martial, if fit. And they're all young, they've all got like varying degrees of potential, but yeah. they're not world beaters by no, any stretch. But, but I, think, I think this is probably the one area if you are a United fan where you do kind of look forward and kind of fast forward two years. Martial and Rashford tied up long term, and we've got Mason Greenwood as well. I don't know mm. if you've ever heard of this guy, but it's yeah, yeah, new no. team level. Left foot, right foot, head can drop off, running behind. Like looks like a genuine, genuine prospect. That if he develops and prospects never develop in straight lines and injuries and all kinds of things happen, but he probably should be a better player than Rashford if everything breaks right. Now, if you end up that ends up happening, in the case you have Marshall, Rashford, and Greenwood as a probably pretty potent three. I would suggest. Yeah, yeah, and you know, like, like say potentially they could you know go out and get. Someone else to you know to put into that mix as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but this is a, but this this is to, we're talking term here though, aren't we? We're talking years. Like this mm. is the issue with it. We're, I'm not talking about this season. This is this is two three years. No, and um, I think that's that's what we keep hearing like talk about. You know, the supporting Solskjaer, they they're okay with what that's going on this season. I mean. I don't think he can get that much worse before no. like his job gets under threat because you know a couple more defeats and you know not too far away from the you know, relegation zone. And for all these teams we've, meant, we've mentioned there, it's, it's going to be difficult for managers to keep their jobs. I mean, we can switch to West Ham quickly. I mean, I think I have their fire expected goals. Their defenses look not good at all this season. I think me and Ted, me and Ted talked about it and thought it was because they played Man City. And it was like, no, the weeks went by and it was like they still don't look good. They still don't. It can't just be the Man City game. And uh, I think it all came home to roost, didn't it, against Newcastle? Uh, a couple of I can't remember the, third, the first two goals, both like headers from centrally. And I yeah. pointed this out that you know that like West Ham's opponents have been weirdly not hitting target from like central zones. And uh, yeah, that basically Newcastle did. Um, <laughs> So yeah, obviously way, yeah. I'll take all the credit for that, but no, it's uh, just just one of those funny things that you felt like, yeah, they 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 should start conceding more goals at some point, and they really did. And you know, yeah. three two defeat at home to Newcastle. New, I mean, Tottenham lost at home to Newcastle, but like they didn't see three goals. So no, 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 the, no, no. the shades of uh, yeah, absolutely uh, the shades of yeah, the shades of badness and ineptitude here. But I think it was the it was the nature of it, wasn't it? I remember watching highlights of this Newcastle game, especially in the first half. And there were spells where there were just like two Newcastle players running at one defender from the West Ham, one, one West Ham defender, but running yeah. in from the halfway line. And you were like, what the fuck has happened? Like, how, yeah. how has this happened? You know, Newcastle, incredibly inept attacking kind of outfit in the first uh, 10 games before that game. And you were like, what is going on? Is all of a sudden just, everything just clicked? Or are you playing a West Ham team managed by Pellegrini? Pellegrini and Torres over the kind of last few years of his career, known to have slightly open defensive structures. James, this is the oh yeah, good. yeah. This is this is the thing. You know, if you he, he, they haven't really kind of beefed out central midfield. They've they've signed kind of attacking players and and look you know, like kind of fun going forward. I think their attack's pretty good, but yeah, there's, there's this porousness within West Ham that's. Uh, you know, generally problematic. I mean, we're talking about the teams on thirteen points. Newcastle on twelve points. Now, Newcastle, no one's no one's got anything nice to say about Newcastle. Before Steve Bruce, before Steve Bruce interviewed the other day, and he was like, you know, hopefully a few more results like this, they'll the fans will take to me like they did Rafa. He was like, oh, you, you poor bugger. You I did know. feel I did feel for him when he said that. But yeah, I think he was, being, I think he was trying, bless him. You know, he, he is. He was definitely he was definitely being cute and deliberate though. I think it was quite a, <laughs> yeah. it was quite a good little ten second speech that he gave here to try yeah, and yeah, I mean, soften you know kind of hearts and minds kind of thing, wasn't it? You know, I, I don't blame. But like you know, this 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 is Newcastle who've been like hammered all season. They're literally a point behind Man United, Tottenham, Wolves, West Ham. Um, anything more you want to say about West Ham? I think it, it, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? They 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 were another one of those teams you thought if if things broke right and. Signings yeah. hit and stuff, then they they could be like on the edges of the kind of 
you know, top six race, and it's now you just feel like no. no but I, I, I still, game. yeah, I still think there's possibility. I think Winston Reed's just due back after being out for God knows how long. Oh, but yeah, but he's been out a long time. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's going to be one. But you know, he was. I don't know if he was in the squad or he was. He was. He was definitely training on. Was rumored he was going to be in this squad. So you start having him back, and there is talent there at West Ham. You do look at the forwards, and there are there are, there are players there where if it does click and you do get on a run, and I do think Pellegrini is a, a decent enough man manager but there are always going to be those defensive issues there are with yeah. Pellegrini and with the makeup of I think of this squad to be honest um, you know so yeah but th- so anyway 13, 13 points Tottenham James come on uh, you've got, you've got, well yeah I mean that, this, this is fundamentally down. down they have four shots away to Everton you know? <laughs> I mean, that's they beat the, 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 yeah the irony there is they beat Everton 6-2 in that fixture last season and like yeah. you know they that was about, I think it was before Christmas, so it was while they were kind of ballooning over their metrics. They, yeah. went, they won 15 games in the first half of last season. <laughs> you can't believe it. They've won three out of 11. And, um, yeah, I haven't won in five. And I, I remember, was it the draw against Watford? One all draw against Watford. I remember watching that and thinking, like, ah, that's, that's a stepping stone to, you know, we can build on that. <laughs> and it's like, my God, what, what's happening? And now, and now the, the only good thing I can say right now is, like, I don't think Daddy Ali's been in great form. He scored a couple of times recently. So it's like, that's good. Like, that's a good thing. Uh, which the, the new signings still haven't got on the, got on the pitch together. No. I, I don't think. I think, I was, yeah, I was going to look at it. I'm not sure if even, like, we bought, bought three players in the summer. I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if, like, they spent any time on the pitch together. By like, the session on finally got a minute against, yeah. uh, against Everton. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's been dire stuff so so far. It really has. Yeah. I think we 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 reviewed this very quickly before we started. Like you're you got this you know idea like variously teams can like jump have jumped forward a lot season to season in metrics. Like classically, Man City when they signed those are good players and you know became rich and things like that. It's quite rare that you see teams kind of like bouncing down the other way. I mean, I think like generally, if you look at Arsenal's metrics, expected goal shots, whatever, season to season, they look quite similar and they kind of drifted down a little bit after Wenger. Like they're kind of about par metrics wise, Arsenal. Last season, they kind of overshot against it. Tottenham legitimately have gone down by, via expected goals, by half a goal, like season to season. This is, yeah, this is half a goal a game here. Like, this yeah, is sorry, yeah, half a goal a game. Yeah, so, yeah. like, a lot. Of course. <laughs> and, like, like, they're not, you know, they're, they're taking, like, something like 45% of the shots in their games. And, they, like, you only have to go back, like, two and a half seasons, like, Tottenham were, like, 60, 65, of 70% even at very good times. And it's just such a huge change over this point in time. And the point you made as well is that, like, nothing's changed. It's the same no. set of players. It's the same manager. So so explain that, you know. I know. Yeah, this is where I come <laughs> from. It. You, you just alluded to that. Teams usually make jumps because they, they acquire talent. City have year two of Yaya Torre and David Silva and Dzeko and Sain Aguero and Nazari and Clichy. And you might make a huge jump forward. And it's rare for teams to drop back. Usually something happens. There's a talent drain. You've sold two of your best players or you get picked off or, I don't know, there's something happens or a manager leaves. Usually there's some kind of indicator which which kind of swings you the way. For example, last year, Tottenham were what? I think by the end, about a 55% shot team, which was yep. still down five, you know, there were 60% the yeah. year before, there were 50% in in uh, eighteen nineteen, and now in nineteen twenty, you talk about them being a forty five percent kind of shots team across the board. Like this is absolutely nuts. I can't remember this happening to a quote unquote good team or a top six or seven team where you are literally falling off the edge of the earth. And you are right, nothing's changed, and maybe this is the point about why it's like this. It's oh, only yeah, eleven I mean, games, I- but this has to be. This has to be. The explanation, the fact that nothing has changed, which is I think, why we are here. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, 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 like, without, you know, kind of applying any direct insight to it, like, you know, let's speculate about what you think might have happened. That team, like, got through last season by hook or by crook. Like, there was injuries throughout. Um, like, I think nearly everyone in the squad, bar, like, maybe Alderweireld, uh, on, Maybe I can't remember if Laurie's had time. There was there were two players that didn't get injured during the whole season, but 
like Deli Ali played the back end of the season with a broken hand. Like in normal circumstances, you'd be like, "Don't worry, mate. You know, you have a few weeks off, get your hand better." But they were just so short of players, and they, you know they got to the Champions League final, so they played all the way into kind of June. Uh, like potentially, you could look at that and say, like, right, is this team just exhausted? Like, did they not like you know on the back of also like you know multiple seasons of like kind of hard training, which is you know Pochettino is known to kind of. Uh, deploy you just wonder if, if like it was a case of like yeah it's the same team but it's the same team but diminished because you know they're a year older they're a year tighter they're they've got all these extra injuries uh you know within their legs that they're potentially coming back with i mean christian erickson's kind of come under a lot of uh, fire recently he was very poor at the weekend admittedly um i feel like sticking up for him a little bit more than uh, than most but you know, Poxino said today that he's, he's actually missed, uh, he'd actually had a little operation in the summer, you know, so maybe he's kind of like getting back to some speed. And he's he's been in and out of the team a little bit, obviously, with his contract situation. We just don't know what's going on. But yeah, I mean, maybe this maybe this is it. They, they, they've just like, they had a hard season last year. And, you know, to just kind of like turn around and go again, it, it, this is it. The modern footballer doesn't stop for very long, does nah, it? Yeah, you know? and it, it could be, it could be a little bit one like you climbed the mountain last year, and you know trying to trying to climb another one the year after is just too much. But I, you know, I kind of think back at this core of players. A lot of them been together for a good few years now. Manager been there for a good few years. It's that old kind of Ferguson that quote that you you either change the message you give to the players or you change the players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that's that's, that's a valid question it. as well. I think at this point. You know, we've we've seen you know so even someone as successful as Mourinho like consistently have a kind of like a lifespan with his clubs. Uh, obviously, Pochettino, you know, this is the first time he's he's managed at this level. Um, he's quite a few years in, and he's he's had relative success. But yeah, re- refreshing teams. I mean, that was the thing we always talk about this with Ferguson, how well he was. You know, he got new coaches in, he signed players at the right time. Most of the time, he shipped them on at the right time as well. Uh, but yeah, actually, like refreshing a team, not not so easy, and it's a, it's kind of a, another skill that you know you really not many managers actually get the chance to to kind of go through that cycle, and it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I mean, this I think the schedule softens up a little bit for Tottenham as we go. I mean, we've got Sheffield. Sheffield, I we haven't mentioned, in, I think they're in sixth place. <laughs> they're coming yeah. up next. You still in your mind, you look at like Tottenham home to Sheffield United. Okay, that's that's a fixture you like to see, but. At the same time, uh, right now, Sheffield United looking like a better team. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Then they go to West Ham. Then they got Bournemouth. Then there's a Man United match. Then Burnley. You know, this is the run into Christmas. Um, then they play Chelsea. I think like most, they've a lot of their games away have been tough games. They played, you know, they played Liverpool away, Everton away, maybe not as tough. as Man City away, yeah. yeah, Man City away, Arsenal away. So there's been sort of like the schedule has impacted a little bit on this. But then the Euro to Brighton and lose three 0 and it's like okay. And I th- yeah, of course, uh, yeah. What the hell's going on? And I think I think this is the the gist of this. I think if we you know to kind of round this off here, if we look at United and Tottenham and Wolves to an extent, all those Europa League going on there, and West Ham. You know, you're you're four points off fifth at the moment, and if you do have a softening of the yeah. schedule and you do have some health come back your way, or Man United do manage to string three wins together, for example, all of a mm. sudden you you'll be fifth. And some of this talk will have ended. This is the problem with starts of seasons when teams start badly at a start is you remember that specific sequence because it's a new sequence. And, you know, this is a small sample of games. Things can change. But for, for Tottenham and Man United, like we just talked about, you'd just be so much more encouraged if you could see some more positive shot numbers, some more positive underlying kind of performances with it, on with your numbers or, or with your eyes. You just want to see something else or something a bit a bit more kind of impressive. And there isn't yeah. that there with Man United at Tottenham. You know, and it can change. Schedules can change and runs do happen and sequences of wins do happen. So it's not all, you know, the season's over or anything like that. You've just got to You've just got more digging to do from this point here. But let's, we can round this off quite tidily, actually. Um, top four race is done. So <laughs> what Would comes you? next? And that's interesting, isn't it? Because like the, the the point was for the last couple of seasons, you had like four out of four out of the big six teams getting the Champions League, and the other two suffer. And now if, if Leicester sneak in there, then you got suddenly you got three big teams 
like you know not in the Champions League next year. And yeah, that's that's going to be tough to explain at the kind of end of season review. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, of course. Like I mean, you talk at Arsenal, United, Tottenham, this arm, man. Oof. Yeah, and all get you know, all get relumped into the you know Europa League. Which I would, yeah, no, I'd rather don't necessarily I'd, want to. I just, I'd rather see Sheffield United qualify for the Europa League. That'd be something, wouldn't it? Like some kind oh, of. Oh, but that, yeah, but that, what what did that make me think of immediately? Ipswich. Ah, <laughs> just getting killed. I know, but think of the think of like <laughs> Napoli away at Sheffield United on a Thursday night. It'd be absolutely. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the, like if you're Sheffield United, there's two, you know, two two things you want to do. Number one, stabilising the Premier League. And, but also number two, you'd love a European night or two. Absolutely, yeah. This is Come the thing on. with Wolves as well. Like, I, I, I mm. yeah, you can well. forget you can forgive Wolves having a down season if if, yeah. if that's the cost of their you know the Europa League uh, participation. As long as they don't get relegated, they have only won two games. So <laughs> yeah, so that's not too bad. But you know, this this is the trade off. Like, if you qualify for Europe, literally enjoy it. Like, you know, you won't always get there. And will it kill your Premier League season the year after? Yeah, it's a pretty decent chance it will. But it is, it is, it is, it just, it is, it is one of the, the costs of, of qualifying. But, um, to go and play it, that's, that's why you do it, you know, you don't, you're not going to turn down your open league place. You try and win games to qualify for these things. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Let's wrap it up then, Ben. All uh, right. Thanks for coming back. We'll see you again, no doubt, sooner or later. I would think so. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good. Take care.